0: talk about revolution that's going
1: a little bit too far so love me love me love me i'm a liberal hello
0: and welcome to another exciting episode of the worst wing where we take a look at aaron sorkin's seminal work the west wing from a 2020 modern socialist leftist perspective i am dave and i am stu And we are here to discuss the penultimate episode of season three. Outstanding word. word. (laughs) I love that word. Uh, Entitled We Killed Yamamoto. Uh, which is mainly about the president and the joint chiefs and Leo sort of coming to terms with what to do about Sharif. But we are going to put off that topic of discussion for the moment and leave that for a segment later in the episode to discuss that all on its own. So instead, let us discuss the other non-Sharif-related plots uh, from this episode. So the first one... That we really get into is Josh and Amy are hanging out on Sunday. They're having a Sunday fun day. They're about to make up some guacamole.
1: (laughs) Just just making (laughs) Mexican food and drinking margs, baby. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So uh, we get to see a little slice of Josh and Amy's relationship. And it seems pretty good at the moment. Uh, Like they're, you know, they're, they're doing well together, at least for now. Uh, at the beginning of the episode and, but then midway through, uh, they kind of get into a fight when Josh foolishly brings up, uh, some work stuff he's been working on where he's trying to get a vote moved up in,
1: in Congress. Um, yeah, he's basically working to whip the vote on what I think is like a, the budget maybe. Sure. Because they're trading huge amounts of money. Correct.
0: Yeah. I, I'm guessing it's the budget. Um, and yeah, they're making some trades with the Republicans on, you know, like marriage incentives, um, meaning like tax, tax cuts for tax cuts for married people who, you know, who have kids and which, you know, is discriminatory towards single parents or, you know, as, or, you know, or women or single women in particular, um, single mothers which is of course what amy's whole lobbying firm is about so as soon as amy hears this uh she goes all immediately on the warpath and it's funny from like obviously the show wants this conflict to happen because we need to see this drama play out and but from a from a just perspective of relationship advice josh just shut the fuck up about work <laughs> yeah. Dude. Dude, he had everything going for him. He's got the Mets game on. He, Amy's making a nice stew for him. They they were all set to have this great romantic night in, chill night on a Sunday, and he did, he fucked it all up.
1: Well, yeah, and so I I, I actually looked this up as uh, we were talking, but it uh, It is the Working Towards Independence Act, which is a, I'm assuming is some sort of fucking condescending welfare light sure perversion work, to work fair of. kind of thing. yeah yeah and so they they chop these things out and end up basically the white house's position is selling out amy's movement pretty much because right yeah because fuck that movement. yeah
0: um, yeah because they they're trying to play to the oh we'll give the social conservatives something and then they'll they'll and the fist you know they'll like us even though, you know, they try to call out the hypocrisy of like, oh, the GOP says they're all small government, but now they want fucking tax incentives. And it's like, yeah, man, the hypocrisy argument doesn't work. Stop. Stop trying. Well, I've
1: <laughs> never heard that one before. And it's always worked <laughs> when you deploy it. Like, yeah. I, and so, frankly, hey, you're right. Just shut the fuck up, Josh. Keep your goddamn <laughs> mouth shut. What is wrong with you? And then... but. But we don't watch the West Wing to watch Josh and Amy have a happy night at home. This is true. It is It is clearly, like you said, the show wanted this to happen. Um, right. And down the pipe, it sort of just, it continues to betray, frankly, Josh as an emblem of the administration, their perception of political power as like, we decide what's right and our way of going about this must I mean, basically party line. And we will tolerate
0: no dissent. Yeah. And if you try to dissent, we'll say, well, do you just want the Republicans instead? Which Josh immediately does. And Amy takes it rightfully as the insult that it is and goes, okay, I'm firing up all my people <laughs> now to
1: fight to fight you. Yeah, it's great. He, he blatantly doesn't listen to or like lets her lets her thoughts just cruise right past him. And because she's right. smart, she's just like, oh, I see what you're doing. I'm going to fuck this up. And it's like, yeah. yeah. No. By shit. the way, I command
0: my own political power here. You do not. Josh just thinks he has all the political power in the room, and I guess that's a function of like ego and, and his his Joshness, as you will. And it happens over and over again. And I, yeah, it's like his 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 classical hubris. It's his character flaw or what have you. And you know, while this always bites him in the ass, and so well, this ends up coming around to the president in a way when, when they find out that this screws up the vote and they were, you know, now they're, they might not have it as, you know, they might not have the votes that they thought they had because now they're getting lobbied by Amy's, movement and lobbying firm and whatever and, and it's and just the president just like reams Josh out for like boy you really fucked this up Josh and forgive me if I'm wrong but wouldn't it be better if Amy was under my employee rather than you right now
1: <laughs> now it's a little good because he's like tell me if I'm wrong or right your girlfriend would make a better chief of staff than you do Josh and Josh is like <laughs> <laughs> yeah the best part is Josh
0: just has to sit there and take it and Bradley Woodford does a really good job of selling, just <laughs> yeah. like how fucking destroyed Josh is right now.
1: And so, in the kind of the final interaction between Josh and Amy, is he goes over to her office late at night, basically, hopefully, to make amends, like at least on a personal level, and be like, "Hey, I should mm-hmm. like I, I screwed this up, kind of. across I'm sorry, but yeah, blah. We, I should have listened to you more, that kind of thing." But yeah. then he basically just says he threatens her, and she calls him on it, and <laughs> yeah. the whole thing is so on point, it's unbelievable because. They are going to destroy the party by selling out the women's movement. Fast forward 18 years to fucking 2020 and Joe Biden. Yep.
0: No and here we go. shit. We, we destroyed Me Too to try to salvage Joe Biden's fucking reputation. Good, good job, Democrats. It, it makes
1: me feel insane because Aaron Sorkin shouldn't be writing history. He's well. It's interesting because it,
0: this is why I love that we do this show because you get moments like this where it's so perfect for the exact moment we're in now, and you know Sorkin had no way of knowing it, but somewhere in his coked up madness, we get the history doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes, and he's he's very good at rhyming. Yeah,
1: he's like a po- he's like a history poet.
0: Like- yeah. Because you know why? He has the cadence of history down. He knows the rhythm and the meter of the rhyme, so it's easy to replicate it. Well, and he, know, he knows the way
1: these people, like, speak. And think. On, I mean, because honestly, and he thi- thinks the way that they do. It is mm-hmm. He is Democrat to the core. And mm-hmm. this sort of comes around. I mean, there's a very brief scene. We don't even need to touch on it that much, but there is a little bit of um, Sam... He tries to shoehorn in a redemption arc for Sam here because Sam fucked right. up last episode. He gets a nice But com- not that big. Well Yeah, I mean he he honestly doesn't fuck up that big. And I think you mentioned right. earlier it's we actually don't see him being upset about right. it at all. With nothing on yeah, screen. Like,
0: like you said, we don't get a montage of sad of Sam being sad and moping around and whatever. Like but everyone is acting like, oh Sam needs a pick me up or whatever. And and so, yeah, they work in on this weird redemption arc for Sam but where it, and it it's stupid and pointless and has no meaning. Well, and I
1: think the, again, sort of where I was eventually going with this is that <laughs> Toby as a manager is really bad. We get him trying to be like, oh, hey, yeah. Sam, you know, you're fun, And then he literally says, I think anything tactical makes us look bad. Right. What the so, hell does that even mean?
0: like that it looks like in an election year that like they're playing politics or whatever i don't know it's you know politicizing stuff
1: like heaven forbid we play the white house
0: communications director is afraid of politicizing things are you fucking kidding me? it is
1: just Uh, fucking they just no consistency with toby at all (laughs) and and it betrays again this thought process of just kind of we're afraid to wield power we don't want to upset the status quo and we're always on our back foot and so right they eventually internally reacting. That.
0: Yeah. They're
1: always reacting. They never proactively
0: come out with a with a big sweeping thing.
1: And to be fair, the thing that Sam is supposedly redeeming himself through is a proactive step to manage and mitigate yes. environmental damage in the Everglades. But their instinct the entire episode
0: was to shut it the fuck down. <laughs> and like only at the very end. And this is the real lib fantasy part is at the end, Sam finally comes around, and goes, you know what? It actually is a good idea and we're going to do it and it's going to work. And like, and so therefore like this, you know, all the shit earlier where he just shouted down this, you know, the idea right away and said, nah, we're not doing this. Like all of that gets redeemed because he changes his mind at the last
1: moment. Well, and it often happens a lot of times with these initiatives that they sort of like pretend to consider and then reject out of hand is that they're brought to them by junior staffers. And what they're saying is that like simply by virtue of my position in the administration, my ideas are, I guess, more valuable or more worthy of consideration than this It's stuff. just taking credit.
0: It's like, well, it's just like, yeah. It's like, oh, your tiny assistant brain. Mm. No, that must be a dumb again. idea. It came, from your, it came from your assistant brain. But hang on. My
1: big smart brain has thought over it and decided, yes, we will do the idea, but even better. Well, again, and we'd be remiss... To not note that it's two female assistants who bring him Mm -hmm. the idea as well. Um, Because, you know, of course. Which they apparently
0: came up with entirely on their own. And hey, that's great. Which is awesome and great. and it, It was a good idea. And you mentioned in the notes here. It's about the Everglades and saving the Everglades and stuff like that. And you talked about how this was a big cultural hotspot back in the 90s. It's kind of dropped off the radar. Yeah, it seems that way. Because I think most people realize that, you know, in a few decades' time, Florida will be reclaimed by the sea <laughs> and, and will become entirely Everglades.
1: <laughs> like the planet is protecting so, itself. Yeah.
0: I don't think we have to save too much of the Everglades. Yeah. Uh, if anything, I think they're going to expand quite <laughs> rapidly in the coming decades. Yeah. So uh, that problem kind of took care of itself, actually. But you're right that it was it was a big uh, environmental sort of hot spot. Uh, and as someone who has been to the Everglades, I actually say wipe them the fuck off. <laughs> they're miserable. I know. We need it for the wildlife and the ecosystems. I'm just joking. but uh, Well,
1: hey, again, you know, Florida's just going to be all swamp shortly yeah so. Where
0: in fact we're gonna be max everglades <laughs> yeah. I, i'm i'm excited you know it'll be mad max but with airboats instead of cars
1: dude get yourself like a banjo those instead fan, of a fire those, spewing guitar you're ready to those go Those boats with
0: the giant fan on the back yeah. of them and those fucking <laughs> airboats it'll be that fucking mad max fury road i'm looking forward to that
1: all right so let's take a brief break and we'll come back and talk <laughs> about the other relationship dynamic that dominates the non-sharif part of the show
0: Black stripe, yellow paint, them niggas scared of it, but them hoes ain't. Soon as I hit the club, look at them hoes face. Hit the pedal once, make the floor shake. Sway inside, my engine roaring. It's the big boy, you know what I paid for it. And I got the pedal to the metal, got you niggas checking game.
1: We get more of the CJ and Simon Donovan arc in this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically, I mean, they say they're they're still beefing kind of just back and forth. They're joshing each other um, as they come in to the office. It feels a little more forced. A little. This time to begin with, um, I also noted that, and actually, this was a technical thing that I noted for like, it's rare that I kind of pay attention to technical stuff in the show. The shot of them in CJ's office, where it's a two shot between the two of them, is really poorly constructed. And I went and looked it up, and actually, this season was the first of the West Wing and very, very early on in the standard to be shot in a 16 by 9 aspect.
0: Oh, interesting. So,
1: I was sitting here thinking like they didn't initially shoot this in widescreen did they because they cut off the top of cj's and simon's heads in these shots i'm just like is it is it literally just that they're too tall they're it both tall. Be,
0: they are both fairly tall. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, and CJ, CJ says it to Simon at one point. She says, "I like that you're tall." Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, I oh, like that yeah. you're taller than me because I'm a yeah. tall
0: lady, and not a lot of guys are taller than me. So yeah.
1: Which is true, and like a phenomenon that happens. Totally. So yeah. That, that's no, fine. That part.
0: That part's fine. This early bit, a lot of their banter feels a little forced here, and like cj's yeah. like did you ask me out for gin he's like no i said do you want to use our gym like it's, it's, it feels like yeah, bad yeah. bad wordplay like from vaudeville like <laughs> you know like <laughs> whoop, 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 whoop. who's on fast <laughs> did you say gin no i said jam yeah. so uh,
1: basically this all sorts of but it sets up a, an interaction down the episode where <clears throat> cj wants a place to work out that's safe and simon's like you can't go out to like to your the gym, treadmill or, like a or do whatever gym, yeah. at a civilian gym so do you want to come and use the secret service gym and they go into the thing where it's like is it a good gym <laughs> <laughs> the fuck do you mean is
0: it a good i don't know and, <laughs> it's just the question you ask i guess if you're offered to go to a gym <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know so. she's just looking for something to say i feel like but yeah, yeah it's no, one of those yeah. things where it's like yeah we run along cars it's a good gym
1: yeah <laughs> like, yeah, like, we are we are ostensibly the most elite police or protection detail on the planet. But no, no, gym. they just
0: give us some dumbbells and a treadmill in, in one <laughs> shitty room somewhere. It's a
1: hand crank treadmill. You gotta have, like, you know... One Dave of those old-timey the
0: uh, belly-shaking machines <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that they thought helped lose weight. Yeah. <laughs> That's it's like, like, like back Rose in there from, style, like, Jim. the Taft administration. <laughs> yeah.
1: Just a bunch of snifters of whiskey and those like rubber belt things and uh, and medicine balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but anyway, so, so they go. But and it leads
0: to a, a very cute scene where um, at at the gym there is a, a firearms range for for shooting training. And CJ is like, oh, that's cool. I want to shoot a gun. Which is, of course, everyone's natural reaction. And uh, and so Simon's like, yeah, all right, fine. Let me go get you a 9mm. she's like, no, no, no. I want to shoot your gun. He's like, uh, <laughs> this is a Magnum? <laughs> okay. And we get a funny scene where CJ literally gets blown backwards by the recoil and falls on her ass.
1: It's great, too, because, I mean, clearly... I know, love this a good is, prat- This is going... Oh this is going to be a comedic situation and so she starts selling like selling it immediately where they she's just like he says don't even think about pointing that at me and she immediately sweeps him in the
0: face. yeah thankfully he's got his hand like right there to be able to stop it because he knew it was coming
1: yeah and i think honestly that's the part of this scene that i really like is that he they they cleverly write him to know exactly what she's going to do in right. all of these situations <laughs> right like
0: because he's seen every idiot be like i want to shoot a gun
1: <laughs> yeah it's very very it, it's a subtle way of implying that he's a professional which is actually really good it's because a lot well of this done. other time yeah a lot of this other time they spend being like well, dude, you know, I blah blah and it's like right. actually this is how you should Here, be treating it. Here's
0: a subtle display of his competence yeah, in a very exactly. in a very underplayed way, but it's yeah, it's well done. But um, she stands
1: on her tiptoes to shoot the
0: gun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's My favorite stance, man. Like that's that's the power stance. That's where you get all your accuracy from. Yeah. So, yeah, There's uh, a, yeah, they do that. And, they like, do a cute and, little bet of like, oh, I bet you your marksmanship's not so good, Mr. Simon. He's like, I'm pretty good. And it's like, okay, we'll shoot three through the center and, and then, you know, or else I get to drive my car. It's like, well, first off, I'm not going to let you do that, even if I lost the bet. But also, look how cool of a guy I am. Bang, bang, bang. And he sh- shoots three bullet holes, but with five shots, implying that he shot two of them through the already
1: existing bullet holes. He's that yeah. good, folks. And, and, like, it's right next to CJ and CJ's head. And, like, <gasps> yes. so actually, Emma pointed out that there is a, there is a shot in which he has earplugs in and cj has muffs that she gives him or he gives her initially wait when she she fires when she fires
0: the first magnum shot yes but then she takes them off and he fires those five shots right by her ear Right by her head. Right by her ear.
1: She is. She's got tinnitus for sure. <laughs> and you said the final scene between them should just be overlaid with a pastiche of like
0: of a, oh, a high pitched ringing sound, yeah. <laughs> like you know those scenes in a mo- in a war movie where the guy's fucking shell shocked.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of Black Hawk Down when Nelson, like they fire the the saw next to his head, and he's yeah. just deaf the entire rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, it all, it all leads to, like, it, overall, their,
0: their arc is well done, but it leads to this awkward moment where they're finally walking home at the end of the night, and uh, CJ awkwardly brings up Rosalind again, because I think this is the only way they can have CJ, like, appreciate how Simon is such a nice guy or whatever, is to make sure that we, the audience, know he was totally the one who plugged one of those shooters at Rosalind.
1: Yeah, it's it's really when I the more I think about it and as we were talking about it before we recorded it's really sort of disappointing because they do put some care into these interactions and demonstrate and show rather than tell us how CJ and Simon are start to right. bond exactly and develop their relationship mm-hmm. and then it keeps coming around to this like the the fetishization of protecting Bartlett and to a small degree of like of the violence right the he commands of like oh like,
0: he killed he killed that guy like that I, isn't that so cool it's uh, like they keep having to bring it back to that and it's so dumb when we've already had these nice character moments already like y- they throw all the work out the window that
1: they've done yeah
0: they 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 go
1: backwards to Why? and it's completely unnecessary (laughs)
0: yeah it's just like why you were already building it up fine but anyway they get a cute almost kiss moment and then they both are like oh my god we can't be doing this i'm a secret (laughs) service agent and you're my protectee and she's like oh god and they kind of have a little awkward whatever and and they go their separate ways but we the viewers know that of course this is not the end of things and
1: and it will be expanded upon next episode yeah and as they're they're approaching her house and they're just like I can't kiss you blah blah, blah. and he, he says she says oh look we can't walk any further i'm already home and he kind of does a heel turn and he definitely says fuck. Yeah, i heard it too. I, he
0: definitely goes like oh fuck. Oh, like fuck. he's just like he knows he's fucked this up. Like and he's yeah. he's cursing himself a little bit like man i, I think really it's supposed fucked to be- this up.
1: He he was trying to start his next sentence with "look," I think, but it's like ah, I think he said "fuck." The subtitles
0: help unhelpfully did not confirm this, but I I know what I heard.
1: Yeah. So yeah, that's the CJ Simon arc in this episode. Again, yeah. it will be coming to a head next time. So. Yes,
0: yeah, we'll we'll expand upon it more as it expands more in the next episode. But then also, before we get into the Sheree stuff, I wanted to take a brief diversion and talk about Donna's minor subplot in this episode, in which she is shipped off to North Dakota to read a statement uh, from the president to these people who are doing a movement to drop the word North from North Dakota because it according to them it is killing tourism.
1: Yes because north implies cold, cold and bad. Yes. Um a like the global north means rich white countries. Global south means bad con- so right I I Okay, there's that. <laughs> and second of all, it is cold and shitty there, as Donna points out.
0: Your average temperature is seven degrees, and you get forty two inches of snowfall per year.
1: Yeah, it well, is cold. And, Sorry. And she also points out that South Dakota has Mount Rushmore. You know, right. Yeah. One of the most so they, they complain about parks.
0: the tourism discrepancy between them and South Dakota. It's like, uh, South Dakota has Mount Rushmore, though. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder. And whereas North Dakota has, uh, I, I don't mean to be mean here to anyone who might be in North Dakota, but nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like Fargo and oil derricks now. Yeah.
0: yeah. I guess only because of the movie Fargo is, is Fargo a tourism destination. So they, they should all f- be thanking the fucking Coen brothers. Yeah. Cause I pro- that movie probably increased North Dakota's tourism uptake by like significant percentages just by itself.
1: Yeah, and so it's the Donna thing sort of just devolves back into her bringing a message from the committee chair of the right. North Dakota State, and House she's just back.
0: she's just like, oh, I'm just an assistant. I can't really do anything for policy here. They literally sent me out here to pander to you, okay?
1: And and the committee chair tells Sam to get up off the mat, and right? Like, and oh, she she just becomes okay. a messenger
0: pigeon for the for this dude to tell Sam to to buck up, like that's her that's her purpose in this episode.
1: Yeah, it's weird.
0: <laughs> it could have been done via an email that Sam read from the guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, although the actor who plays the committee chair uh, was in Northern Exposure, which is an ah. amazing show. It's uh, what thirty years old now, but anyway, he's dead now. Um, ah, rip and peace.
0: Rest in peace. Uh, yeah, he
1: he seemed fine and good, and he seems like a good
0: little character actor they grab for a bit part, which. I imagine, like, with the prestige of this show, it must have just been so easy for them to wrangle anyone up to be like, hey, man, you got a free afternoon?
1: Come be on a West Wing. Yeah, it'll, t- it'll be 30 seconds on screen.
0: Right, but you'll, and you'll be like some senator or some guy or whatever who will just show up one time and never be talked about again and we'll, and we'll pay you. Oh, okay. Great. Sounds great. <laughs> hmm.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, Anything else? No. Let's
0: let's take another break, and then we can dig into the real meat of this episode, which is the conversation around (laughs) Sharif. So, let's dig into the real meat of this episode, which is the the long conversation played out over th- four or five different segments where they start off on, okay, we don't really have anything that proves that Gaddafi, you know, tried to do sure the... Is. the se- Sorry, Gaddafi. <laughs> it's a good one, though. Cause. We were just discussing off air like, w- 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 is he more of a bin Laden or a Gaddafi? Is he a mashup of. Sorry. Sharif, our fictional XP stand in for bin Laden slash Gaddafi. Uh, Sharif was planning the San Francisco bridge bombing, but they don't really have anything that links it to him at first. And then they're, you know, then they're like, oh, everything that does link it to him came from this tortured dude who got tortured by the Russians. So it's all fruit of the poison tree. So we don't actually have proof on it. Because at first, Bartlett is obsessed with him standing trial in a U.S. court for this crime okay. uh, before they finally get around to the the real plan, which is we kill him. Well, so, yeah,
1: let's starting from the outset. It's just they're talking about, frankly, in very broad terms initially about like what what do we do about this because yeah what do we do now, we need to now that we know do something
0: that we know that Sharif masterminded this potential San Francisco 911
1: yeah and so they they bring it up quite a few times just kind of to to frame it that he is actually traveling to the United States in an official yes. capacity like as you know, on like a defense. diplomatic mission yeah. he's gonna
0: meet the president and like you know they're gonna have a dinner or something like that yeah
1: and so they they harp on this he's going to be here he's coming here to our soil as sort of like a primer to right. say oh we can use this opportunity to to nab him or right whatever and so they go through the explication of the this paper trail like you said of what he's funding via what organizations Mm -hmm. and also (laughs) i did note here that they say there's a a little segment about the bomb signatures of these explosives in other events it's like wow guys ammonium nitrate and fuel oil not the components that make up every single bomb no we know that these are the special sharif bombs trust me we know so he
0: uses a little cinnamon powder that's that's the sharif signature
1: do I, do I detect a whiff of cardamom? <laughs> and Sharif just smiles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nods his head knowing. <laughs> so they, they go through this thing and the, they sort of Bartlett initially says, this isn't enough. He says we right. we don't have proof.
0: Yeah, you don't ha- you don't have proof and then especially when they find out that it all comes from the point of the po- uh, fruit of the poison tree, where it all came from a tortured dude that the Russians tortured. So it's all effectively inadmissible in court, well, which Bartlett also calls out. So
1: so the, the placement of that segment within the evolution of their decision is weird in the show because it comes after the scene in which Fitz, quote unquote, makes a reasonable point that we have to kill him, and Leo's like, we got to do, we may have, we can't just let him go, blah, blah. blah. And then. After that scene, several scenes later, they get the Yenta reference of like coming through the door. They they talk about, I don't know, Leo and him are doing a walk and talk and they come through the door and they say, oh, this is all, all this evidence was obtained under torture. It's been coerced. So right. we get a weird framing of, we already see the way that they're going to lean. Right. And I wrote it down nine minutes into the show. It takes yeah. two scenes to be like, oh right Bar-
0: yeah Bartlett goes from like oh th- th- this is Capone and you don't have him to fuck it plant heroin yeah. on the plane if you gotta <laughs> yeah like
1: we'll make up a crime who gives a fuck like, then why did you care about nailing him with proof yeah like- well and that's that's the thing is it, it whiplashes back and forth it's the, the initial scene is, we need proof. The second scene right. is, fuck it, let's just, like, let's plant drugs Let, on him. And the third yeah, scene is... Yeah, we'll, ju- we'll just make up an excuse to arrest him. Well, and the third scene is, well, this screws up our proof. It's like, you already told us you don't give a shit. <laughs> you
0: don't fucking, fucking care about the proof. And as we find out, you don't even fucking care about trial at the end of the day. Um, but, that, that yeah, so... Bartlett is obsessed with this idea that he's going to stand trial, which is so ridiculous. Like, particularly, first of all, if it did happen, it wouldn't happen in an American court, I wouldn't think. This feels like it should be, like, an internationally tried thing.
1: Yeah, and it's Um, weird that this is happening, this is being written and filmed when it was, because this was, like, May of 2002. And so they're already setting the groundwork, and frankly, this show is aiding and abetting the administration in setting the groundwork for extraordinary renditions. And yes. basically, black site, non, you know, criminal, quote unquote, show trials. Um, right. So, if you're already planning on illegally detaining him, why the why like, the fuck do you care about the evidence? Like, right. It's 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 so stupid, and it's just there. There's there's this this need, I think, of. And, and frankly, Bartlett plays it out reasonably well because at the end when he's kind of laying into Josh, you can tell he's upset because he's not like the war guy or whatever. Right. And he's getting a little antsy about it. But there is a whole scene after they leave the sit room and Bartlett is like, well, that's we can't fucking do anything about it. Where Leo and Fitz have oh, some right. really yeah. bizarre forced like banter where Fitz asks Leo about his shampoo or some shit. And yeah. then like goes into this incredible bloodthirsty, hawkish, like yeah. in the history Here's- of war, like yeah. there were times when we were at war and then there were times when we were at peace. And even when we were at war, soldiers were treated humanely and rightly. It's like, uh, uh, okay. What? <laughs> sure. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Dude, if it, a it's, if a nobleman surrendered his arms, he was treated humanely because he and was And only wealthy. because he was valuable yeah. as a hostage. Like
0: also <laughs> because you could ransom the nobles back for a shitload of money.
1: Also, yeah, let's just ignore the history of political assassinations entirely. There haven't it, uh, been those. Well, sure, have been it's it's
0: yeah the, he just goes on this long tirade that ends up justifying why they have to kill Sharif and this whole episode is just a big justification for why they have to kill Sharif and like they listen in on a conversation he has with like two Islamic clerics where he's like haha the great enemy cowers you know I will strike at them again ah, ha, ha they can never stop me like he just does like generic evil monologue yeah, absolutely. That, they, <laughs> they, that they pick up on a fucking mic. With, like, a CIA distance mic or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the, the, the scripting is straight That's out of Venture Brothers. Like like...
0: Yeah, like, they're taking it, they're making it extremely clear. Like, Sharif will never stop, and you can't try him in court, so therefore, he's if he's gonna keep killing more people, what do you have to do? And, like that, and that's the long and short of it. And they try to dress it up with a bunch of words and Fitz Wallace's long thing about I don't even recognize when we're at peacetime or wartime anymore. You don't get to say that, motherfucker. You're, you're head of the Joint Chiefs. You're the
1: reason for that situation. Yes. Perhaps some introspection might serve you as to why the situation has devolved. What? what? This why point. do you think pregnant women are carrying bombs? Because,
0: like, Why do you think they hate America so much? Because you've been fucking them with the military for decades. Like, You don't get to suddenly c- cry about like oh it's all gotten so
1: complicated now when you were the ones who fucked it all up. And he said the laws of nature don't even apply. What the What does that even who mean? Who are you to decide? And frankly the, the suggestion is that these pe- these people are not human. Like right. there there's a subtle implication there. And like fuck Pretty you. Pretty much. It's it's okay when you kill them. It's not okay right. when they kill us. It's, like, if they if
0: no, oh, them killing us back is the worst crime against nature. Us killing them is well, that's just business.
1: Yeah, and you know, that's that's the establishment of hegemony here, which frankly at right. this point in history, like ostensibly pre nine eleven, that was kind of the way I I mean, the world was going. It's just understood right. that the American order was you know, sacrosanct, right. if you will.
0: It's, and it's not like I'm expecting Fitz wallace to suddenly break into like, we are the world and lead a <laughs> Kumbaya circle or anything. But it's interesting to note the way the show is selling this idea to you, the viewer. More than anything. Is like, here's the reason why these hard men have to make hard choices. Because damn it, they're keeping us safe from bad men. Don't you see? It's all justified. Like well, and that's the part of the show that's really gross.
1: And the presumption that it is a problem to be solved rather mm-hmm. than a bad thing <laughs> that they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's just we have to figure out a way how to do this instead of right. maybe understanding that it's impossible to do it and then not doing it so right
0: well and it will so minor spoilers this will all come to bite them in the ass because they'll they'll fight the the whole assassination plot eventually gets figured out not the particulars but that america did it um spoiler oh by the way spoilers they are going to totally kill sharif but like it's not a spoiler if you watch this episode because the whole episode is leading up to oh we absolutely have to kill sharif
1: well and you get you get bartlett putting up a like a Kind of a, a mawkish liberal defense of like, oh, but, uh, you know, it's it's against the international blah, blah blah, and Leo's, like
0: you know, he's a bad man who will keep killing innocent people. Yeah, like he he says even the village idiot would come to the same conclusion.
1: And this is this is something I think that um that that has been remarked upon in the past. I specifically I think remember Felix Biederman on Chapo being like. This is very sorkin of being like, the only thing that's bad is that you're too smart. Like, gosh, mm. gosh, you know, Mr. President. You're, you're overthinking it too you're, much. Just kill Badman. Yeah. You're just, just think like the village smart. idiot. Kill Badman. And, and and you're too, <laughs> you're too good.
0: Smart. You're too smart and you're too liberal and you're too moral and you're too nice about it, sir.
1: Yeah. Just just be dumb. <laughs> sir. Exactly. <laughs> In spite of the fact that, you know, we we are we are pushed to believe that these people have the moral imperative of like, it is just understood that they are the quote unquote good guys. Right. And in that way, it just, it reinforces the dominant perception of what we do good, what they do bad. Right. Like end of story.
0: You know, this is, there's no, are we the baddies moment at all (laughs) during any of this? (laughs) Like this is, this is how empire functions and this is what empire does and like they, they can try to be have a little sad about it, but like at the end of the day, they're still
1: pulling the levers and making the empire do what empire does. And while we're on this subject, the like the first time in this episode we see the president is he is at Arlington National Cemetery, which you know, hmm, uh, mm. we're not going to think critically about that one dead Americans. Oh gee, <laughs> um, but gee, I wonder what caused all those. <laughs> <stuff>. it's, <laughs> it's just. It's an utterly bizarre and frankly very Sorkin choice to make. He probably just was, just, he woke up one day and was like, it's impossible to get bad shots in Arlington. We're going to roll a crew out there for a, a reason. The scene is very flat, by the way. I don't
0: know why. Like, the delivery is flat. I feel like they don't spend enough time. There's no music, and normally I like when the show doesn't go for the cheap emotional punch of, like, oh, the music is telling you to feel something yeah. right now. But I think this part actually needed a, at least a little music when, like, we get the reveal of the Landingham uh, tombstone. Yeah. Because um, he's there to visit Mrs. Landingham and, and, and her husband,
1: who is was a Korean soldier. It just, yeah, they. it's completely unnecessary that this happens. You could have done the Landingham replacement search in any number of ways, but you can just, I can.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, we didn't even talk about it. So Charlie is technically starting the, the replacement search for Mrs. Landingham, which is a subplot that will continue onward. Um, until they eventually hire Lily Tomlin, yeah. who's great. Um, <laughs> it's fucking great. I love Lily Tomlin. But
1: but this is an introduction to it. Again, it's just completely self-indulgent. It's Sorkin stroking weird. himself and off. and it's
0: like two minutes that we didn't need at all. Like, <laughs> it's so weird.
1: And I would like to note that Leo, or Bartlett, is reading the translation of the Arabic from, like, the eavesdropped meeting with Shuri. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he goes through and he reads this scene. It's like, there will be other moments. And Leo interrupts him and says, meaning times or opportunities it's like oh, yeah that, duh is that what that word means thanks no, Mr. Thesaurus. like
0: there will be other moments to attack america when he says moments he means times or opportunities the fucking thanks leo like, no shit good job man i'm glad i'm glad we're on the, now we're both clear about it thank you
1: Liam. and emma threw in an aside about how it seems somewhat condescending that mrs landingham is basically buried as wife of like great soldier Man. Of respected soldier yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but yeah. i think that's part respected of respected
0: the... soldier air force korea what a hero arlington cemetery uh, and his wife yeah and his wife <laughs> but
1: also i think that's part <laughs> it's, of the price it's like when the gilligan's
0: island theme does the and the rest
1: <laughs> Look, I, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not into, like, military fetishism or anything, but frankly, like, she, she didn't rank burial in Arlington. Her husband did, and by virtue of the fact that her husband did, she could opt into being buried there. Although, again, it seems somewhat condescending. I have no doubt that if it, if it is a female great soldier who's buried in Arlington and her husband opts in, he will be listed as husband of. <laughs> I, I, I would hope. Um, but yeah and I think that pretty
0: much wraps up our thoughts on this episode anything else
1: Uh, no let's take a quick break and do an official wrap up okay
0: All right, and I think that does about does it for this episode of The Worst Wing. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, Our next episode is going to be the season three finale. Do-do-do-do. Super super excited, uh, in which, spoilers, they kill Sharif. Um... (laughs) Uh, But we'll get all into that and unpack all of that uh, in the next episode, which I'm very much looking forward to. As always, you can drop us a comment in our thread, um, or if you found the show a different way, welcome. Uh, I hope you're enjoying it. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, anything like that, you can email the show, as always, at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. And that does it for this episode. We'll see you next time on another...
1: The Worst Wing. Y'all stay safe. Bye now. Stay safe, I'll everyone. I'll send all the money you ask for But don't ask me to come on along